Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Father, we thank you once again for today. Thank you for the honor and the privilege, Lord, to worship and to praise you. For truly only the living can praise you. You have given us life and we choose to use that life to worship you. We choose to use that life to praise you, to thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, your hand of mercy that has been upon us. Once again, Father, we sit at your feet, O oh God, our hearts are open to you. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Speak to the hearts of men. Change hearts, transform lives, even in this place in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, Father, let your word find a place upon our hearts in the name of Jesus. And let it give us instruction, direction, rebuke, whatever, as long as we become better by it in the name of Jesus. And at the end of the day, Lord, the glory, the honor, it all belongs to you. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Put your hands together for the Lord as you sit down. God bless you. Hallelujah. Is that the best you can do for the King of Kings? Hallelujah. I want you to know that God is not Pharaoh who will ask you to make bricks and then give you no straw to make the same. I want you to know that wherever God guides, he will provide. And he has made provision for every vision that God gives. And therefore today, by the grace of God, I'll be speaking on the subject, divine purpose always attracts divine provision. Say that to yourself, divine purpose always attracts divine provision. I want you to know that the place of purpose is the place of provision. I don't know how many of us are here today that you're struggling financially. It's not that you're lazy, you're doing your best. You're not sitting at home, you've tried everything that you can, but it just is not working. You're still in the same state, you're still in the same place as you were before. Then I want you to know that definitely something is wrong. And when something is wrong, I want you to know that it's time for you to sit back and really try to locate what the problem is. You have to sit back. You have to pause everything that you're doing and then find out what the issue simply is. I want you to know that many of us have been trying to gain financial freedom. And then when we become empowered financially, then we tell ourselves we will go and locate God's purpose for our lives. But I want you to know that that is the wrong cycle or the wrong sequence. The right sequence is for you to first and foremost locate the purpose of God for your life 
When you are able to locate that purpose and you are fulfilling that purpose, one of the things that you will find in that purpose is provision. So if you are struggling today financially, you are doing all you know how to do, it's time for you to stop. Stop doing what you're doing. We're going to take an assessment of what you are doing. Are you doing your God-given purpose? Are you doing what God has asked you to do? The right sequence is for us to first and foremost locate purpose and therein we will find provision. The word provision itself can be split into two. You have pro, which means for, and then you have vision, which is a crystal clear mental picture of a preferable picture. That's what pastor has taught us over time. Therefore, provision, therefore, is God providing or making available for us everything that we need to fulfill his divine purpose or heavenly vision. Now, I don't know if this has happened to anybody before, but it's happened to me. Have you ever been to a shop? And when you get to that shop, maybe your intention was just to buy maybe just, for example, toothpaste. That's your desire. Your desire was just to just buy toothpaste and leave the place. But as you are buying the toothpaste, you will see that they have attached a toothbrush to it. And then you are telling them, but please, it's only toothpaste I wanted to buy. Why is the toothbrush attached to it? They said, no, it's two. For the what? For the price of one. That means that when you buy one singular item at the supermarket, they have attached an additional one to it. In the same way, I want you to understand there are certain things that if you buy just one, automatically there's something already attached to it. If you will choose to walk in the purpose that God has given to you, I want you to know that automatically attached to it is what is called provision. You don't have to get there to say, God, I want to buy provision. He said, no, 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 no. Just buy the purpose. Just get the purpose. When you get the purpose, the provision is already attached to it. I want you to see this particular thought pattern in the scriptures. And I'm going to give you about two examples. The first example is wisdom and knowledge. Every time you will see the word wisdom and you will automatically see the word knowledge. It comes automatic. It's actually attached to it. So I'm just going to give you a few examples where you will see wisdom and knowledge coming together. Praise the Lord. So let's start from the first scripture. In the book of Exodus chapter 31 verse 3. Exodus 31 verse 3. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel the son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. So whether you will find the word wisdom, but immediately one line or two lines after, you'll find what? Knowledge coming after it. Then let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 10. 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 10. It says, then God said to Moses, because this, Solomon, sorry. Because this was in your heart, you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies. Nor have you asked long life, but you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself. And that's exactly what God gave to him. Wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 12. Proverbs 2 verse 12. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom. 
From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Last scripture that I will give. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 26. Ecclesiastes 2 26. It says for God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. So really if you actually want knowledge you can just ask for wisdom. Once you ask for wisdom, what would come and accompany it? Knowledge will come with it. So it's called two for the price of one. Let's go to another example. Riches and honor. Another example. Two for the price of one. Riches and honor. First Chronicles 29 verse 12. First Chronicles 29 verse 12. It was David who said concerning God. He says, both riches and honor come from you. Both riches and honor come from you. First Chronicles 29, 28. That talks about when David died. The Bible says that he died in a good old age, full of days with what? Riches and honor. I'll give you one last scripture. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 16. If you could quickly put that up. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 16. It says length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand are what? Riches and honor. There's so many scriptures. If you go through the Bible, you'll find some. Once you see riches, you'll find honor right there. So in like manner, as you're found in the scriptures... Both for wisdom and knowledge, riches and honor. One of the things you will also find is both what? Purpose and provision. So our assignment today is for us to look at individuals who had a firm understanding of God's purpose for their lives. And throughout the journey, we're going to see how God provided for them. And the reason why we're looking at them is that if it worked for them, then we can have an assurance that it will work for us as well. Am I right? What then is purpose? Simple definition. Purpose. The reason for which something exists. The reason for which something exists. Very simple. The reason for which something exists. Our first example that we're going to take, we're going to take it from the Old Testament, which is King David. I want you to know that David was surely a man that understood purpose. He wrote in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, if you could open to that for us. Psalm 139 verse 13. Thank you. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none or there were none of them. That's David writing there in Psalm 139. He's saying that what? That there is a book over his life. That God has written a book and all the days that are portioned for him are in that book. 
And all he simply needs to do is to locate the book. I want you to know that your first assignment, which is where pastor has been pointing us to, is that there is a book over your life. Whether you know it or not, that book exists. And pastor is saying that it is your responsibility to do what? To locate what is written in that book. I remember a scripture he gave us from two Sundays ago was in the book of Revelations. I couldn't find it. And then he says, he talks about a book that has been sealed. And he says, how would the book be unsealed? He said, there's an atmosphere. And he said, the atmosphere is the atmosphere of prayer and worship. If you want to know what is written in that book, then spend more time to pray. If you want to know what is written in the book of God over your life, spend more time in the place of worship. The book can be opened. It is not closed forever. Are you hearing me? It is not closed forever. It is only sealed, but it can be unsealed. David knew there was a book over his life. That's why he wrote in Psalm 139, there's a book. All the days that God has apportioned for you, he says it's written in that book. Look again at Psalm 40 verse 6 to 8. Psalm 40 verse 6 to 8. It was David also writing here. It says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Before this scripture was quoted in the book of Hebrews, it was already written in Psalm 40. It was written by David and he said something. My ears you have opened. I want you to lift up your hands in the presence of God and you are going to pray that prayer that David prayed. Lord, you will open my ears. Why would God need to open your ears so that he will begin to tell you He'll begin to reveal to you what is in that book. David said, my ears you have opened. I want you to pray for yourself. Everything that is blocking your ears. Everything that is clogging your ears. That you are not hearing clearly the voice of God. What God is saying about your life. I want you to ask God will unblock everything. Whatever it is that is causing you to have dull ears. That you are not hearing him accurate. David said, my ears you have opened. Lord, open my ears. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. So from the book of Psalm 139 and from the book of Psalm 40. We know that David understood the importance of purpose. And he knew the purpose of God over his life. From the time he was anointed in 1 Samuel 16, 13. All the way to when you read in 1 Chronicles 14 verse 2. Quickly open to 1 Chronicles 14 verse 2. It says, so David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people, Israel. So with the understanding of his God-given assignment, did David enjoy divine provision? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Did he enjoy divine provision? We're going to look at three phases of David's life. Number one, phase one, before he became king. Number two, phase two, when he became king. And number three, when he was chased out of the throne by his own son. Three different phases of his life. 
The first phase before he became king. What did God do for David? I want you to know that the first thing that God did for David was to tell him that the vision over his life cannot be fulfilled by himself. That's the first thing you and I need to understand. That whatever it is that God has called you to do, whatever it is that God is laying in your heart, you cannot do it by yourself. I know many of us believe that we are gifted in everything. You are multi-talented and multi-gifted. But the truth of the matter is, what God wants to give to you, you cannot do it by yourself. So that's the first thing you need to admit. The next thing God will begin to do is to send you different categories of people. And I want you to take note of the different categories. In the phase one concerning David, the first person that we will see that was sent to him was a man called Jonathan. Jonathan was first sent to him. You'll see it in 1 Samuel chapter 18, 3 to 4. And then also you'll see 1 Samuel 19, 4 to 6 and 1 Samuel 20, 1 to end. What was so unique about, about um, Jonathan is that he came into the life of David when David had nothing. And that's why you will see him giving him what? His sword, his belt. He didn't have all those things. But David was not too proud to say, I don't want them. You see, that's one of the things that you have to deal with with your own life. There's certain people, they just find it difficult to take from people. Can I be very honest with you? Do, I, do, do you really want me to tell you what's wrong with you? You're actually proud. You're just, thank you. You are pride in. You know, in the English language that we know in today. You are just pride in. Because one of the things God is saying is that you cannot do it alone. And therefore, there will be people that God will send to you, they will give. Don't say, ah, no, 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 no. No. Be humble. Take it. Jonathan met David at a time when he did not have anything. But he took it. Because that was the person that God has what? Sent to him at that time. The second thing you will notice about Jonathan is that he was not just there to give him things. He was also there to defend and protect him. Even against his own father. Let me tell you there are certain people that God has brought your way. They are your defender. You can't do wrong in their eyes just like me. I have some defenders in this place. I cannot do wrong. Even if you take a mic and you complain from now to Jesus come. They say, don't worry, we love her. Especially my children at the back. God bless you. Uh-huh. Do you know that the helpers that God has sent to you, they will defend you. They will protect you. They would watch over you. They'll be there for you. One of the ways that God established David in providing provision for him, he the first person he sent, he sent him a Jonathan. And let me tell you, you can't do without them. You can't do without them. The next person that David enjoyed was what? Saul's daughter. 
Micah. She also went against her father's wish to kill David. She stood with him and she protected him. I want you to know that in this journey, one of the provisions that God will do is that God will send people that will protect you. They have your back all the time, 24 hours. Even when you are about to fall into a ditch, they will call you, no, that, that place you are going to know, you are going to fall. Another one that you'll see is the 400 men that joined David as well in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. There's one particular one that I'm going to look at because I want to spend time there. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 11 to 16. I want to talk about this particular person that helped David. When Ziglag was burnt down and David inquired of the Lord that should he pursue or what should he do? As he pursued, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 11, if you can turn to that. It says they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. I'm going to stop there. They found an Egyptian and brought him to David. They didn't find an Israelite. Are you listening to me? It was an Egyptian. I don't know how many of you were in the first service when Elder Wale was sharing his testimony. The person who helped him to set up his company, his legal firm, was an Italian. Somebody who probably doesn't know God. And I thought that was very strange. Why would God use an Italian? Why would God use an Egyptian? Many of you, you are too holy. Eh? Your holiness is not allowing God to send helpers to you. The man is a Muslim. Be waiting for Angel Michael. He will come. As Jesus is arriving, Michael will come and help you. The Bible says that it was an Egyptian. I just want you to just that line. It was an Egyptian. And God is trying to tell us something that many of the people he has sent to us, we have rejected them. Because they're not coming in the package that we expect them. How can you take help from an unbeliever? He's an unbeliever. How can you take help? He's an Egyptian. When David saw this man, it's not about Egyptian, no. it's about please, I need my family back. What do you know? The Bible says that they attended to this man. And what did he do? He showed them where the enemy was. But imagine if David had ignored him. Many of us, they help us. You have ignored them. Because they don't look, they don't fit. Many of us already have determined who our helpers will be. Is your uncle? Is your auntie? Is your brother? Is your sister? And you know why? God is deliberately shutting those doors for him to be able to tell you that it's not any of those people. And so when your uncle says no, ah, you now call family meeting over his head. God is shutting that door to tell you that is not your helper. 
Your helper can come from anywhere. It can come from anywhere. Elder Wallace firm was set up by somebody who is not his father, his mother, his brother. He's not even a relative. He's not even a Nigerian. But that was the person that God used. For you, it has to be your uncle. It has to be your brother who is a commissioner. He has to be the one that is a governor. God says, no, that's not the person. And I have a principle. Anytime you ask someone for something and they say, no, I want you to take it that God has shut their hearts towards you. Take it as a message. Then your prayer should be God whose heart is open. Let me tell you something about a helper. You don't need to push them. If somebody is truly your helper, before you even get there, you say, I know what you're talking about. But many of us were trying to force people to be our helpers. If you come and meet me, Pastor Biola is your helper. If God says I'm not the one, my heart will be shut towards you. It is shut because God has not put me in the scheme of things concerning your life. But instead, when I say, no, I'm not your helper, what will you be doing? Don't mind that sister. She says, don't mind her. She's not serious. I asked her for help. Don't mind her. No. There's no love. Thank you. But the truth of the matter is, it is God that determines your helper. I want you to write that down and let it sink in. Just as it is God who has predetermined the things concerning your life, the people who are going to help you on the way, God has already picked them. So it is not you that's going to say, it must be you by fire, by force. You must be my helper. God bless you. When you begin to determine who your helpers will be, I want you to know only one thing will happen to you. Frustration. Because you know what God will do? God will ensure they are all saying no. God will ensure they are all saying no. Because those are not the ones that he has appointed for you. Your helpers are appointed. Are you hearing me? Your helpers are appointed by God. That man was an Egyptian. David did not say, no, you are not an Israelite. Don't talk to me. Phase two. When David became king, who are his helpers? First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 1. You see it there and then also verse 16 to 18. Quickly go to verse 16, 18. Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. And David went out to meet them and answer. And answered and said to them, If you have come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with you. But if to betray me to my enemies, go ahead, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. Continue. Then the spirit came upon a messiah chief of the captains and he said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you and peace to your helpers for your God 
helps you. So David received them and made them captains of the truth. Look at what David said. He said, if your heart is united. If your heart is united. There's something about a connection. You see, people who God wants to send to you. I'm telling you, God has already done the work. It's a heart connection. It's not just someone you are just meeting. Before you even get there, they're like, hmm, that's it. That's the person I was talking to you about. Why? Because God has done that work in that person's heart. So when you are speaking, it is resonating in that person's ears. They understand what you are saying. That's why David said, if your heart is united, And that's why they said, we are yours. We are your helpers. God is with you. He's also helping you, but we are here to also help you. I want you to know that the purpose that God has given to you, he has also given people. They are your helpers. My prayer is that you will not use your eyes to prejudge them and precast them and say that, well, Lord, this one doesn't fit. No. When God sends you your helpers, you will know they also will know that they are your helpers. Let's look at phase three. When the throne was taken away from David by his son Absalom. Who are the people that helped him? Ziba. Second Samuel chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16. I think from verse one. It says, when David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys. And on them, 200 loaves of bread, continue, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. Come, stop. Read that again. How does somebody get 200 loaves of bread? How? How? Does he have a bakery? I mean, if I'm going to help you, I'll bring you a slice or a loaf. That's the best I can do. Why was he able to bring 200? Because he had the capacity for it. Are you hearing me? He was able to bring 200 loaves of bread because he had the capacity for 200. That means that there are helpers that God already knows their capacity. He knows what they have. That they can give to you. And that's why it is wrong for you to predetermine. Because you don't know people's capacity. Look. If you come and meet me now. That God is telling you. That I should give you 10 million. <laughs> first I will ask you. Were you sleeping? Or were you awake when he told you? <laughs> that's the first question. Then number two. If you are sleeping. I will tell you to go back. And do what? Sleep again. But you know that if God has spoken that to my heart, he would have given me the capacity to give you that. See, that's why it is wrong for you to dictate who your helpers are. You don't know people's capacity. Only God does. And that's why it's wrong for you to judge people as well. Because those who you think don't have actually have. That's the problem many of us have. You just look at somebody, ah, don't worry, by the time I finish, you size. Okay, the person is wearing, who has a wristwatch here? That is, you look at the person's wristwatch. 
You look at the person's bag. You look at the person's shoes. You add everything together. But how many people know in Lagos, what is succeeding now? Packaging. <laughs> eh? The only thing that is succeeding in Lagos now is what? Packaging. But when you shake and shake the body, what will happen? Nothing. Eh? <laughs> when you shake everything and shake, shake, nothing will come out. And that's why it is wrong for you to prejudge your helpers. To look at someone and say, I'm sure by the time I get to Brother Larry, come on, that 10 million will drop. He is well packaged. And then he will say, if you shake me, it's all packaged, you know. <laughs> it's not right. Your helpers are appointed by God, not by you. Your helpers are predetermined by God, not by you. And he knows their capacity. That is why Zeba was able to bring 200 loaves. Do you know what 200 loaves of bread is? That means you own a bakery or you have access to a bakery. For you to bring that for the king. Of course we know the other helpers of David when he went out. Of course we know so many of them. Shobi, Micaiah and Bezalel, 2 Samuel 17 verse 27. Now why are we looking at the different phases of David's life? To show to us that God is able to make provision at all seasons of your life. That's why we're looking at phase one, phase two, phase three. Before he became king. When he became king. Even when he had trouble in the kingdom, God was still there doing what? Sending helpers. So you can't say that God, well, at this phase of my life, it's only me. I'm telling you, you see all those wilderness experiences you are all doing. You're just suffering in silence. You're just punishing yourself. There is no phase of your life that God has not predetermined a helper for you. Either you have chased them away. You have chased them away. Why? Because you don't think that, uh, what can that one do? <laughs> but you don't know. Many of them, you have despised them. And God is showing to us that in David's life, there was no segment, there was no season of his life that God did not send help to him. Absolutely none. I'm going to look at example two very quickly. The Lord Jesus himself. I'm sure you know that the Lord was a man of purpose. How many people know that? From a very young age, a tender age, he knew his purpose. The book of Luke chapter 2 verse 41 to 50. Luke chapter 2 verse 41 very quickly. He says his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him amongst his acquaintances, among their relatives and acquaintances. Quickly. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. 
Now so it was after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And so when they saw him they were amazed and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? From a very young age, he knew what the father's business was from a very tender age. This particular story is very funny because I don't know how your child will be missing and you will not notice in one day. Go and read it. He says until after one day. Huh? One day. That's when they noticed he was not there. Then by the time they went back to Jerusalem, they searched for him for three days. I want to ask a question. Who did Jesus stay with in those three days? Who fed him in those three days? Who looked after him in those three days? The Bible calls him boy. So he was not a man. He was still a boy. So who was the helper in those three days? That shows to us that helpers are not sent to adults only, even to our children. Parents, I want you to know that you will not be there all the time. Am I right? You won't be there. When they are in school, are you there with them? But who is with them? God Almighty. He will send them helpers. The boy Jesus had helpers in those three days without his parents. But he must have slept somewhere. He must have eaten. I assume he had his bath. Lord, I'm sure you did. (laughs) So we know that the Lord understood what the father's business was. You can see that in the book of Luke chapter 4 verse 42 to 44. What was the father's business? He says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. He understood it. At every stage of his life, the Lord understood what his purpose was. You can check the following scriptures because of time. I'll give them to you. The book of John chapter 4 verse 31 to 34. John chapter 4 31 to 34. I also want you to look at John chapter 6 verse 38 to 40. John chapter 6, 38 to 14. And finally, John chapter 14, verse 4 to 5. Sorry, one more. John 18, 37. All of those scriptures are pointing to one direction, which is this, that the Lord understood his purpose on the earth. He knew the reason why he existed, and he knew he was here to accomplish those goals before he departed. So the next question we're going to ask ourselves, how did the Lord help him? How did God send him helpers? Did he have divine provision whilst he was here? Yes, he did. Where was the first one? The first place that he would see him there, God gave him destiny partners and I'm going to group them in three. The first set of people that God gave to him, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
Anytime you see the name of those three people, he, they welcomed him into their home. He spent time in their home. Had dinner in their home. Not just him. The disciples as well. So that means that that house is not a one person visitor. With disciples, we're not even sure whether there were 12 or 16 that went with him. But they were willing to receive him and to embrace him. It's that same Mary that anointed his feet with costly oil and what? And spagnite and wiped his feet with her hair. Group 2. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 to 3. Women who also ministered to the Lord. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 to 3. Women who also ministered to the Lord. We see Mary Magdalene. We see Jonah there and we see Susanna, three of them ministering to him. Now, there's something very interesting here. And I want to point this out. In the life of Jesus, you would see groups of people ministering to him. But also in the life of Jesus, you would see specific needs that are met by individuals that the Bible does not even tell us their names. I'm going to show you examples. Now this point is very important because there's some people that come into your life for just a season. And many of us, when they go, we start throwing tantrums. We start believing that that person is supposed to be there all the time. If you see Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, if you see Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, all of them were there till the very end. That shows you and I that certain people, they will be with you till the very end. Every stage, every season of your life, they are there. But I also want you to take note of certain individuals. They're only there for a period. They're only there for an event. They're only there for a situation. It doesn't mean that they are bad. That is God's assignment for them in your life. I'm going to give you two examples. The first example you will see there is the preparation of the Passover. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 verse 12 to 16. It says, now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city. A man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. Question, what is the name of this master? What's the name of the man? Nobody knows. After the Passover, does the Bible tell us about him again? He's finished his assignment. He's finished his assignment. That's the assignment that God has given to him at that point in time in the Lord Jesus' life and ministry. 
And so once that assignment is finished, that's it. Now for most of us, that will not be it. That means that if I give you 100,000 naira today, don't come back because God might simply say, that's it. But for most of us, no, you have to keep going back. And I tell you that the reason why the door is shut, because God is saying some people is just that one occasion. I know that's really hard to embrace and to hold. But that's just the truth. God has set different categories of helpers over your life. And it's important for you to say, Lord, help me to identify who is who. Because when you know that that person is there for the long haul, then you can behave as if the person is there for the long haul. But when you know that person is just for that incident, then you won't have false expectations. Many of us, it's those false expectations that's leading to your frustration. That's leading to your anger. Because you are expecting the person who did it Monday, when you go back there, should be doing it on Tuesday. And the person is saying, no, God only sent me one time. And that one time, you are angry. But rather than being angry, it's for you to understand, God, is this person there for the long haul? Second example, Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. The Lord sent two of his disciples to a village and told them a cult will be tied down and that they should loosen that cult because he was going to ride that donkey. Another translation says a donkey. I have a few questions. A donkey cannot tie itself. Am I right? Have you seen a donkey tie itself down? So somebody tied the donkey down. Whoever tied the donkey down either owned the donkey or had access to the donkey. Maybe the donkey was a prisoner. Who even knows? But he tied that donkey down for a reason. When the Lord had need of it, he used the donkey. So imagine you go there tomorrow and say, Oga, please, I need a horse. Oga, please, I need a car. God, I need a helicopter. You say, no, the only thing God said I should give you is what? Donkey. Are you understanding me? Many of the people that you keep going back to, they're just there for that event, that instance, that circumstance, that situation, and that is it. And your frustration is because you are trying to make them stay or do what they are not assigned to do. The man who tithes the donkey, his assignment is donkey. I'm not so sure you can go back and tell him you want a horse. I'm not so sure you can go back and tell him now you need a car. Because his assignment is what? Just tithe the donkey. So you and I must learn the difference of the helpers that God sends to us. Your helpers are sent to you in different categories. And you must know who is who so that you don't mix them up. I want to share just a, one or two personal testimonies, but I think if time will permit, I'll share just one. I remember over 12, 13 years ago, I was in my room and I was just thanking God for my daughter. And as I was thanking God for my daughter, I was saying, Lord, I thank you that I don't have to cry over school fees. God, you're always making provision. Thank you so much. I'm forever grateful. 
And I remember that day I heard these words, wouldn't you like to do it for others? Very clearly. I mean, I didn't, not that I heard it, but I heard it clearly. Wouldn't you like to do that for others? I said, God, but me, I don't have money. How can I do that for others? I don't have money. So that particular year, I remember it was a September, September, October. I think I borrowed somebody 100,000 and they returned the money. And the Holy Spirit said, you can use that 100,000. I said, 100,000 that you just used to buy chicken and buy fish and okay, let's try. So that particular year, the January of that year, I remember Sister Maureen, I called her, Anna Kwe. I said, please just look for people that, you know, you can just pay school fees, 100,000, not much. Oh. That particular year, I paid for four people's children's school fees, but single parents, please, very important. <laughs> single parents, either the woman by herself or the man by himself. Single, four people. I was shocked. Because if you give me 100,000, you know that by the time you just go here and go there, the money has finished. You know, and I continued on my own. Until after a while, I felt, okay, God, maybe more people can join me. And maybe a few people join. Then last year was a very tough year. Last year, I'd been doing this by the grace of God with others for close to 11 years now. Last year, I got to a point where there was no more money in the account. And so I said, Lord, on the 10th year, the total school fees bill that we paid was 1.6 million on the 10th year. By the time you got to the 11th year last year, I said, God, there's no more money. So I can't imagine going to call 20, 30 women. Because we have over 30, close to about 20, 30 children. And telling them, I'm so sorry. You know, we have carried this for a while. God has helped us. God has. So I was thinking, okay, am I going to go and do, you know, farewell speech? Then I heard this. Just look for 12 people. I'll give you the names of those 12 people. Tell them to give you 250,000 naira for a year. And that you'll come back every year to pay for those. I say, ah, God, <laughs> just look for top. Is that easy? Oh yeah, just give me 250. Ah, is that easy? He gave me the names. Every single person paid. Every single person paid. My two slots that I left, the two people, they know themselves. Every single person. I did not have to talk for long. I did not even tell them what was happening. I just told them, please, your name is included on this list. 250,000, please come. Once a year, I'll be back in September. I said, okay, okay, okay. Just be going, okay, okay, okay. Hey, Some people said, do you even want more? Some people even paid more. And then I realized something. If God is the one that has ordered for something, I am telling you, he will pay for it. The reason why you are struggling because there are other areas of my life that I'm struggling. And I'm at that point where I'm saying, well, John, let us sit down. Pause. Is God ordering for this? And that's what I want you to go back home to go and do. I want you to go and pause. Don't mind the applaud that everybody is applauding is a good idea. They don't know that you are struggling. They'll just be applauding, applauding is great. Do they know the, the struggle you are struggling? They don't know. You need to go back home and you need to pause. And you need to ask that question. God, did you order for this? 
If he said, yes, I ordered for it. Then you say, God, you already know how you are going to pay for it. And that's when God will begin to send you. You don't need too many people. And he will give you their names. When you get there as you are talking, they already say, we know what you're doing. Don't worry, we agree with you. Don't worry, don't worry. So if you are struggling, if you are struggling financially as a family, if you are struggling financially as an individual, I need you to ask yourself, am I in God's will for my life? If that thing that you think is a great idea, is that heaven's idea? Is a great idea. Is that heaven's agenda? Because one thing I've learned in the scriptures, I could have gone over so many other scriptures, many examples that you find. When the temple was about to be, the tabernacle was about to be built. The one they called tabernacle of Moses. Who ordered it? God. Who paid for it? God. So if you are struggling, then you need to stop. And ask God, is this yours? If it is yours, you will pay for it. But if it is your own idea, it's you that will pay. Huh? You know in America, they say when they take you out for lunch. And they say, oh, we're going out for lunch. And you too, you carry your head. You go for lunch. You'll be there, you'll be ordering, 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 ordering. You think it's a lunch you're actually going for. <laughs> when they now bring the bill. The Oyimbo will say, excuse me, can I have my bill? You'll be like, ah, what, what do you mean your bill? <laughs> Every man for himself, Jesus for, for us all. When an American tells you they're inviting you for lunch, just carry your money. <laughs> Not like in Nigeria, when you go there, you eat everything, and then you give. Mm -mm, mm -mm. But what's the gist of everything that I've said today? Where you're struggling, where you're finding difficult, I want you to pause and just ask that question. Is this what God has ordered for you right now? If God has ordered for it, he will pay for it. Praise the Lord. Shall we rise? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're just going to pray one, two prayers, and then I'm going to round up. The first prayer that I want you to pray, you're going to pray for yourself. If you do not know what God's purpose is for your life, I'm telling you, you have not even started the journey at all. You need to know the purpose of God for your life. You need to understand what is written in that book. And that's why Psalm 139 says that what? The Lord will open my ears. God will open my ears. Because if it's God's purpose, then God's provision is already made available. I want you to hold the hand of the person next to you. You're going to pray. I'm just going to have like one or two, three minutes and we're going to pray. 
You're going to pray just one prayer for that person. And what is that prayer? Lord, I want you to open the ears of my brother. That Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, everything that you have planned and purpose, that which is written in the book, in the name of Jesus, in the volume of book, it is written the days that you have appointed for us. And therefore, Lord, we ask that you will open our ears, O God. Open our ears to hear heaven's agenda over our lives. Open our ears to hear what God wants us to do. Lord more than any applaud we seek the applaud of God over our lives therefore it's only what you have ordered that you will pay for and therefore we ask in the mighty name of Jesus make us men and women of understanding in the name of Jesus cause us to understand God's divine assignment over our lives cause us to know God's divine purpose over our lives oh God the reason why we exist like David said the Lord has opened my ears father open our ears in the mighty name of Jesus Lord I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that Lord you will open our ears in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus now I want you to let go of that hand and you are going to pray a prayer for yourself and that prayer is a prayer of forgiveness Lord to every helper that you have sent my way that I have chased away I'm asking almighty God that you forgive me it's a prayer of repentance even before God almighty that God who has sent that Egyptian to you and you have rejected that Egyptian that God who has sent a help us to you but they did not fit your bill they did not fit the way you assumed it would be therefore Lord we ask in the mighty name of Jesus Lord forgive us for every time that we have sent your helpers away from us Lord with our attitude with the way we spoke with our mannerism with the way we size them up with the way we belittle them with the way we despise them Lord we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that Lord you forgive us oh God forgive us in the mighty name of Jesus in Jesus most precious name we pray now I want you to hold the hand next to you again and you are still going to pray and what is that prayer the prayer is the prayer that David spoke of in the summer that we in first summer that we read he talked about the helpers they said we are your helpers I think it was the children of Benjamin who said we are your helpers God is your helper I want you to pray for that person every helper that God has appointed for that person in the mighty name of Jesus their steps are ordered aright you will meet your helpers in the mighty name of Jesus this Lord Almighty is ordering your steps aright you will not walk in the wrong direction you will not walk in the wrong direction the Lord will order your steps to your helpers, your helpers will come from the north, the west, the east and the south, everyone that God has appointed to help you in your God given assignment to help you in your God given vision in the mighty name of Jesus your helpers are coming your helpers are coming, you are not going to miss them in the mighty name of Jesus, you are not going to miss them in the name of Jesus, your help Helpers are coming in the name of Jesus from the north, the west, the east, and the south. We'll pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Our helpers are coming, oh God. We will not miss them in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And one thing also I want you to note, it is God that predetermines your helpers. It's not you. It's not you. It's not you that is picking. You can't be picking people. It's God that will pick. He already knows those who they are. He already knows those. He already knows them. It's just simply for you to meet them. It's for your steps to be ordered aright. That you are at the right place at the right time. 
that you are in the right location. That's what God expects you. Just be at the right place at the right time. So I want you to pray. Anything that will take you out of your appointed date, the timing, the appointment, the place, the date, whatsoever activity that's going to derail you in the name of Jesus, I want you to rise in prayer that Lord, you are not missing your date of appointment in the name of Jesus. You are not missing your appointed time, your appointed place in the mighty name of Jesus. Anything and everything that will derail you, you will not be in the wrong place. You will not be at the wrong time. You will be in the right place and at the right time in the mighty name of Jesus. Every one that God has appointed to help you. You will meet them at that right place in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord will send you helpers in the name of Jesus. The Lord will help you at all times and rightly in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not be in the wrong place or the wrong time when your helpers come in the name of Jesus. The path of the righteous that shines brighter. Your path will shine directly to your helpers in the name of Jesus. And in the mighty name of Jesus, every God-given vision that's still burning in your heart. All will be fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's Word. I pray that the Word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye Bye for for now. now.